I am, it's been an interesting week. Uh, as I walked out of the church last week, the Lord gave me this passage of scripture, and I thought, man, I get a whole week to study, I get a whole week to work on it, and then on Wednesday, we did some interviews for the network, and uh, I sat in there during the interviews, and I felt like I was in a different world, not in the spiritual sense, but I felt sick and uh, was succumbing to the symptoms of something, and so for the last four days, I've been down, but um, God is good, and he is moving, and even in our weakness, he is made strong, but I want to I wanna go today, if you turn with me to John chapter 2, and I want to lay the groundwork for this morning that my desire for this house is that between now and Christmas, there's 20, over, little over 20 chapters in John, and, and my ask for the house is, would you embed yourself, would you take this, cha- this verse and this chapter in this book of John And would you let it permeate your life over the next few weeks as we go into Christmas? Would you, some of you, when you got born again, somebody handed you the book of John and said, read it. And you read it and you consumed it and it changed who you are. I believe that if we really grasp what he's trying to share with us, that we will be a new creation come next year. As we walk into 2023, we will be new people. And we've got a lot of things on the docket. We have uh, some great things with the conference coming in January, and we're going to consecrate ourselves from Christmas till that point in a 17-day fast. Um, And I had somebody say, over New Year's? Yeah. (laughs) Over New Year's. Um, And a fast is not social media, by the way. It's not your phone. In fact, does anybody have an iPhone and it comes up like every week and says, your, you, your, your screen time was so much percent, hopefully higher or lower, I mean, but it, it might say higher. Um, my, I, I saw that come up because I've been sort of on my back for a few days and I saw that come up and I'm like, Lord, may, may the report of our heart when we come in here on Christmas Eve, may there be something that pops up in our heart that says, your FaceTime with me has gone up 333%. And there's no greater place to find him than in the book of John. You see, when you read through scripture, um, you've got the Old Testament and then you've got 400 years of silence. And uh, it was hard for some of you to do the last 90 seconds of silence that we just did. And he didn't speak for 400 years and then bang, on the scene, he comes in and he's, we, we read in Matthew he, he goes back and he echoes Malachi and he says that the hearts of the fathers will be turned toward the sons and the sons to the fathers. And I believe that we're coming into an age where this fatherless society is going to see the father in heaven and they're going to have a revelation of who the father really is. But we have this silent period and then we come in and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, if you read those, those books, uh, they come at this Jesus thing, this announcing Jesus from the perspective of here's the lineage of Jesus, and they go down through the line. Who did he come from? Why is he here? Should he really be the Savior? Is he really the Savior? They they really drill into those questions, and they say, this is why. Here is where he came from, and you have kings, and you have prostitutes. You've got it all, but here it is all the way down through the line, and they say, Jesus is who he is because his lineage is this, and 
and John comes on the scene and you would think in the fourth gospel that there would be a there would be the same line that it would be okay we're going to go back to the very beginning and we're going to say Abraham and David and we're going to go through all of it and we're going to come to Jesus but that's not what he does and this is why I want you to focus on John this month because John opens this way in John 1 in the beginning was the word See, all the other books open up with there's, there's this lineage of man. There's this lineage of man that proves that Jesus is who he says he is. And this is how we know. And John comes in and he says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus was there before any mankind and lineage happened. He was there in the very beginning before anything happened. And thank, thank goodness that the Father was there before anything, right? That, that he was not created, he was. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were, were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In Jesus was life, and the life was light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Jesus came, and John is saying, listen, there's this, Jesus became flesh and was with us, but he was before lineage. He was before all of that stuff, and I'm not negating it. I'm saying John had a different call to reveal to us the kingdom from another perspective. And if you read the book of John, knowing that John's calling was to reveal Jesus from another dimension, I think what you're going to find is that when you read the stories, that you hear his voice differently. So turn with me to John 2. Excuse me. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Mary was there. That's so good. Now I'm going to uncover levels of this and I'm not sure what part of truth you're going to get this morning because there's so much. And when you're on your back, all you can do is read, right? And listen to the Lord. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Scholars would tell us that Jesus and the disciples were invited because Jesus was probably related in some fashion. That's why Mary was there. They were related in some fashion to the groom or to the bride. And so they were invited to the wedding. Verse 3. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. Now there were six, there were a set of six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water, and they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now, and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made into wine, 
and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have full drunk, then the inferior comes out. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of, this beginning of the signs of Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. On the third day, why does it say the third day? There's lots of implications you can read from all that. But I want to give you, they didn't go by the Gregorian calendar. They didn't go by the, the calendar that's in, in some of the Middle East right now, 355 days. They didn't go by all these other calendars that we know. They went by this one original calendar, the one original calendar. And so I want to show you why they got married on the third day. Are you good to go with me on a journey? Turn with me to Genesis 1. Yes, my favorite, favorite chapter of the whole thing. But it's in there. That's why it's my favorite chapter. Verse 9. So we've gone through day one of creation. We've gone through day two of creation. This is day three of creation. Verse 9. Then God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together and in one place, and let dry land appear. And it was good. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb of the field yield seed, and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in and of itself, according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. This is the only day in creation where God says twice that it was good. And so the Jews believed that they would get married on the third day because there was a double blessing on the third day. And so we have day one and day seven, God rested. We know the whole process there. And so this is the reason why it says the third day. Not only were they blessed because of their unity, but they were blessed with fruitfulness. And so it specifies the wedding on the third day. Now, Jesus hadn't done any miracles to this point. John says this is the first one where his glory was revealed. But it was done at a wedding. Isn't it interesting that the scriptures begin with a wedding of two people and we find throughout scripture lots of times weddings and then we find that one day we will be eating and drinking in the marriage supper of the lamb so how fitting it be that john would point out that jesus is at a wedding and there's a need so they were invited to be at this wedding now jewish weddings and i know in the west we don't understand this very well but at Jewish weddings, the celebration of the wedding would go on for seven days. And the biggest insult to your community, and it wasn't just for 
the hundred people that were invited. It was for the whole city. It was for the whole, re- the whole place was able to come. Anybody from around could come to this party and they celebrated for seven days. And it was known that if you ran out of food or drink, food or wine, it was the greatest insult that you could put upon someone else. So Jesus comes on the scene in a joyous occasion. Yet there's this tinge of shame and guilt that is upon the people in the house that were hosting this party. There was shame and guilt on them because they ran out of the one thing that they shouldn't have run out of. Now, what could have caused this? Many people believe that maybe more people showed up than what they thought or Maybe they just didn't prepare correctly, but no matter what that is, there was this stigma that was beginning to fall upon the family because they had ran out. Can you imagine being the servant that went back to that jar for the last time and there was nothing there? Knowing, knowing what this meant to you as the servant, but also knowing what it meant to the bridegroom, that it wasn't prepared, that they weren't prepared for what was brought to them. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus, verse 3, said to him, they have no wine. I want to talk to you prophetically about your calling. What God has placed on your heart, what he's called you to do, and my hope is that this gives you hope and gives you encouragement this morning. You see, Mary saw a need now, if she was related, we can look at it in the natural. If she's related to the, to the bride and the bridegroom and she's there on behalf of the family and she's there, can you imagine what she felt in her natural self? She felt the shame and guilt that was coming upon the family because we don't want this to happen. So she could have ran to Jesus in that way. We don't know. But her observation of the natural, of what was going on, spurred something in in her for the supernatural that she knew. Now, every single day as a believer, you walk around the planet, wherever you are, you walk around the planet and you see things in the natural that can only be solved in the supernatural. They could not go as the lady in 2 Kings goes and gets all the vessels for the oil and goes into the back room and God does a creative miracle. They couldn't go around all the houses and get all the wine. There was nothing there. It was all used up. And the only way that this solution, the only way that the guilt and shame would come off of the family was through supernatural means. So Jesus said to her, verse four, woman, What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Scholars would give many different reasons for him saying this, that this was the place where he would be denied most in his hometown, in his home area, that um, he wasn't going to do it right then. But that doesn't stop Mary. His mother said to the servants, you notice she doesn't address him back. Isn't that how moms are? I told you. I'm not going to address it again. What are we doing for dinner? 
His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. The interesting thing is that the miracle that she is, her faith is released for, will only happen if people obey the voice of the son. And I think we can all take something from this, that what God has called you to do, howbeit impossible, if your dreams are not impossible and you can achieve your dreams, then they're probably not God dreams, but they're good dreams. But he's called us to God dreams. He's called us to things that we can't even comprehend. And yet sometimes our faith is so shallow that we can only have faith for what we can do in ourselves, Stephen. If she was standing there and she saw this need and she knew that she could not actually go fill the wine pots, if she knew that she couldn't go do that, then her faith would have stopped right there, but she had faith in something greater than herself to accomplish something impossible. And I'm calling the church this morning, I'm calling you higher because there is something greater that God has for you. Now there were six water pots of stone. They had to be of stone for what I'm about to read next because the law said they had to be of stone according to the manner of the purification of the Jews. So there was this process that the bride would have to go through to purify herself before the day that the bridegroom would come and meet with her and there would be a wedding. And that's what these pots are. And they, hold, they held 20 to 30 gallons of water. Oh, there's so many places I could go with that. Mary called on Jesus to do the impossible because her faith was built on something. You see, I think that the, the reason why sometimes we don't see the greater things done in the earth that we are called to do, we know we're called to do, but we haven't seen them. We haven't launched out into the thing that we want to see done in the earth. We believe God put us on our hearts to go to Africa or whatever it is. We don't go do that because our faith is just in what can we accomplish? What can we do? Here's what her faith was based on. Luke 1, 26 through 38, an angel told her, you will bear the Savior of the world. Luke 2, 43 to 50, some of my favorite verses in scripture where Jesus hangs out at the temple and mom and dad go back home and he's just hanging there with the wisdom of the ages in front of the sages giving them all the truth of heaven and they come back and say what are you doing son and he says I must be about my father's business you see I think that sometimes we read the scripture and we say Mary the mother of Jesus and she had faith in Jesus to fill the water pots with with wine and we don't look at the the history that Mary had with him and I'm only bringing out a few facts. You can go back and read all the things that happened that built her faith that he was who the word said he was. He was who the prophet said he was. He was who the angel said he was. He was who he said he was. And that he was the one who could accomplish the impossible. 
Luke 2, 51 and 52 says, he grew in wisdom and stature. Do you think that he did that in a bubble or do you think she actually witnessed him growing in wisdom and stature and stepping into the calling upon his life? That's what her faith was built on. Now I'm gonna ask you some tough questions this morning. I don't know what God has called you to do or who he's called you to be or who he's called you to impact. But my question is this, are you looking at it for what you can accomplish? Or are you looking at it from the history of how faithful God has been in your life? You see, when you look at the dream that God put in your heart, the dream to transform a city, the dream to transform something, the dream to be a stay-at-home mom and raise godly kids, whatever it is, I don't know, but whatever he put in your heart, if you're looking at accomplishing that without looking at the faithfulness of the things that he's done in your life through the years, you probably won't see the impossible become possible. And God is calling the church to see impossible as normal. You see, I want you to see yourself this morning in the seat of Mary in this story. The one who sees the need, the one who knows that in and of herself she can't accomplish and fix it, yet she knows one who she's been intimately involved with, the one who she's been walking beside who she's been nurturing and helping to grow but then able to step back and watch the father do it come on come on this is good I'm telling you I'm asking you have you even sat for a moment to consider his faithfulness from the beginning until now when you look at his faithfulness and his hand upon you through the ages, the miracles maybe that have happened in your life, the, the, the times when you were in a tough spot and he showed up, if you look at those, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Jesus said to them, verse seven, fill the water pots with water and they filled them up to the brim not only does the Lord want us to do everything he says, take that as a note, do whatever he says, doesn't matter if it's weird. I'm telling you, I bet those servants were shaking, looking at those pots and pouring water in there, thinking, ah, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. But what were they doing? They were being obedient to the word. So he says, pour Fill the water pots with water. So are you going to do what he says, number one? And number two, are you going to allow him to fill you to overflowing with his presence? The miracle will happen when you yourself can't contain any more of who he is. See, Mary learned that she couldn't contain him in Luke 2, 43 through 50. As much as she wanted to, she couldn't contain him. He just walks off and does what he wants because he's about his father's business. She couldn't control him anymore, but what she learned to do was to say, listen, I trust him. I trust him. Verse eight, and he said to, Jesus said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And so they did. 
Interesting, is it water or wine? When the master of the feast, <clears throat> excuse me, had tasted the, wa the water that was made into wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. Isn't that what the world says? The world says your best days are when you're discovering the world, you're discovering life, you're discovering everything is new. That's the best days of your life. I beg to differ. I believe that the best days of your life are when you've walked with the Lord and seen his faithfulness and seen his faithfulness and he becomes real to you and he becomes so real to you that you don't doubt anything else. You just know, you know, you know, you know that what he says is true. You know that when he says that word to you that it's gonna be for real. You see, it says that he goes to the bridegroom and says, you know, they put out the good wine at the beginning. And when the guests are well drunk, then the inferior you have kept the good wine until now you see I think that we sometimes fall into the world system even though we don't want to we fall into the world system to say that the best days are in my youth I believe that if we meet the Lord in our youth that's amazing and the best days are in the end because we don't even know who he is in the beginning but then when we know him when we know him enough when we know him enough to say there is this impossible thing. But I know with you, it can become possible. Those have to be the greatest days of our lives. Amen? Those have to be the most amazing days of our lives. And yet the world says you're shot at 60. The world says, hang it up. Time to retire. I think, honestly... If you understand the calling of God on your life, there is no packing it up, ever. Even in, your, even in your final moments, you can lead that nurse to the Lord. Even in the final moments, your family can come back to him because you've brought Jesus in to the meeting. But sometimes we forget. This is the beginning, verse 11 of signs that Jesus did in Cana and manifested his glory. Now, manifested his glory, that's an interesting thing because manifesting his glory has to be tied to something and I believe that we see his glory manifest upon the earth when supernatural comes into the natural realm and changes circumstances. We, we think about it. We declare that we want to see his glory on the earth and yet his glory is when supernatural becomes natural and changes the atmosphere of the natural and he is honored in that it says that because his glory was revealed what happens his disciples believed in him do you want to know why God gives you big dreams do you want to know why God doesn't want you to retire? He wants you to refire. Do you, do you want to know why? Because if you can't do it on your own, you have to give the glory to someone. And when he receives the glory, when he receives the honor, when he receives the, the pointing to, then people come to know who he is. 
And so my, my concern, my, my heartfelt concern for the church in this hour is that as it gets darker, that we don't forget John 1, that he is the light that shines in the darkness. And the world doesn't comprehend when light enters it, yet it's for their own good. But the only reason that the supernatural changed the water to wine was because there was someone on the earth that saw a need and called Jesus in. Is that your go-to? Do you see a need in the world today? Do you look outside at your job, in your business? Do you look outside at the world? Do you, do you walk in the world and see a need and bring Jesus into that? Or do you just see the need and say, man, I'll give more to the church and then Pastor Rob and the team can figure out how to fix that. You see, sometimes I think that we see the need of what needs to happen out there, but it's not affecting us personally. So at this point, we're not even worried about it. You see, the church, when abortion was made law, it wasn't a huge thing against the church. And so they were silent. And then it became law. And then 60 million murders later, the church actually stands up and says, wait, 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 we need to figure this out. You see, I think that sometimes we're so engulfed in that someone else's problem, that someone else's problem, it's not affecting me today. You know, the drug problem in our county isn't affecting my family, so I'm not going to worry about it today. But I believe that, that our call as ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven is so much greater than just seeing a need. It's seeing a need and bringing in the one who we've walked with, who has proven himself over and over and over in our lives and saying, listen, I know that this whole drug problem and this trafficking problem in Tuscarawas County is so large, I'm not gonna turn my head away from it and walk away from it because it's not affecting me today. I'm actually gonna step into it, but stepping into it, I'm bringing you because you're the only one who can change that situation. It's time that the church be the ambassadors of the kingdom that we're called to be. And not in our own strength. Not in what we can work up to be. I'm going to be the person that steps in there. No, 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 no. Mary didn't say that. Mary said there's a need. I know it's, a, it's for her faith that ignited the miracle. Faith, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, Hebrews 11. Her faith brought something that wasn't seen to be seen. And the only way that she could see the unseen was because of what she saw. And I know that that was a lot. Let me unpack it. She wanted to see the stuff that wasn't seen. She wanted to see wine in those barrels because they knew that it had to happen for the celebration to go on. So to call the things that weren't as though they were, she had to go to the one that she had seen his whole life to step into the situation and fix it. 
You know what I don't see her doing? <clears throat> I don't see her going into her prayer closet in the middle of this turmoil and going before the Lord and begging God to fix it. I see her stepping in faith into a situation and saying, listen, I know the one who can fix this problem and I'm bringing him into this situation so that he can do it and he can get the glory for it. Now, you know my heart. It's not that we don't pray. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I think so many times God is just waiting for people to step into a situation, observe the problem, and bring him into it so that he can fix it so that he gets the glory. We see that in history where in, in Washington, cities, hospitals emptied out, nursing homes emptied out, miracles happen. And he got the glory. Why? Because somebody that was faithful, who had a walk with him, said, listen, this isn't right. We shouldn't have hospitals full of sick people. We should have Jesus here. Because everyone that came to him was healed. And so they brought Jesus into the into that midst of that problem and he solved it. So what's your problems? What's your problems? What do you see? What do you see? You see you have a different perspective than I do. Maybe Maybe every single day you spend hours and hours and hours with people that don't know the Lord. Or maybe you spend them with people that do know the Lord. I don't know, but your perspective is different than mine and your perspective is actually different than your spouse's sitting right next to you. But God is revealing to every single person, the Holy Spirit is revealing to every single person, just like he did Mary, places where he wants his flock to bring Jesus into the midst. So our, our gatherings can be times when we complain about the world. Our gatherings can be times when we worry more about who won a game and who didn't win a game. Or our gatherings can be about what is the problem that we're going to ask Jesus to walk with us into. To see his hand bring the supernatural into the natural. Because it's only through him. You see, Mary said the one statement, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. Are you doing what he has told you to do? You see, I found that through life, if I don't, if I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing and he's not talking to me, that he's probably just hanging out on the last word he told me. And because I haven't done what he said, he's still just sort of hanging there. And I may be way over here thinking that he wants to bless the next thing I want to do when he actually wants me to go back to do what he told me to do the first time. I don't know if that's anybody else, but that's sort of, sort of in my life. I just have to go back and, oh, I thought we were going to go cure this thing. And no, 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 you want to come back and bring me back to the, your feet. Mary's faith was in the character the calling and the anointing of Jesus. And she called on it and he responded. I'm telling you, if you are bold enough to walk into a room of empty pots and look at some servants who are shaking in their boots 
and know the character and anointing and calling of Jesus and stand in faith, you will see miracles. Maybe you need those today in your family. Maybe you need those in your workplace. Maybe you just need that in your personal life. I don't know, but I'm asking you, will you step into places that he shows you with boldness, not in your own strength, but in his strength? You see, this act accelerated Jesus and we see his glory revealed everywhere he went. His glory revealed, his glory revealed. And we're called Christians because we're supposed to release his glory everywhere we go, everywhere we go. How was his glory released? When the supernatural invaded the natural. So my challenge for you this morning is this. Are you walking in the supernatural? Are you seeing him invade places? Are you taking time to walk with him and remember how he's walked with you? You see, sometimes we know so much about him that we don't invite him, even though we know he's good. Even though we know that he's been faithful through the years, we don't invite him because that may open up something I don't want to deal with. Well, you know what? Mary could have been totally called a fool. And Jesus stepped in. Is he a part of your life so intricately that you can call him into any situation and know he's going to provide for you? We say it flippantly. I'm saying for real. Can you examine your heart this morning? Is he the one that you trust to step into every situation and make it right? If the answer to that question is a question, then I want you to go back to chapter one and I want you to know who the word is. Because when you know him, you'll invite him into situations that seem impossible so that he can make them possible. God wants to fill you up to overflowing. He wants to take your vessel of clay. We're not stone pots. We're vessels of clay that he can mold and he can make. He wants to fill you up to overflowing so you can't contain any more of him. Because you can't give out to the world what you don't contain. So he wants you to be full. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to, to do what he says every single time. And that means we've got to actually hear him say it. Which means we have to be close. Because he whispers a lot. And he guides through the whisper. Do you have some holes in your pot this morning that need to be filled? Do you have some things that are keeping you from being filled all the way up to overflowing? Are there situations that have plagued your life and your family and you've prayed for Jesus to get involved but you've done it from a distance? And are you willing to step in with him to see the supernatural change the natural
You see, Mary knew the one. Mary knew Jesus. She knew his character, she knew his anointing, and she knew his calling. And that's all she needed to increase her faith to see miracles happen. Would you stand this morning? Gabriel spoke. Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. He grew in wisdom and stature. Mary's faith was released, and her faith for the unseen caused her to see something that she could only see in the supernatural. I don't know what dream God has put on your heart. Hopefully I'll get to sit down and eat with all of you and hear what God's doing and and the dream in your heart. But this is one thing I know. That if you bring him into that situation, you will see miracles. And I believe, I believe that not only will this be a house of miracles, but that your house will be a house of miracles when he's number one. Father, today we thank you for your presence. Jesus, I thank you that you are the faithful one. Some of you just need to receive that this morning. He's the faithful one. He's the one that was there when you didn't even know he existed. He died for you before the foundations of the world. He called you to something that is much greater than you could ever do on your own. And he says, I will be with you. I will be with you. So will you invite him into your world today? Will you invite him into what he wants to change? Would you love him deeper this week? And would you go with him through this gospel and see him revealed to you in new ways and new places? His character, his anointing, his calling. And would you allow him to change who you are so that we can demonstrate and release his glory to those in need? That's what he's calling us to do, church. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that was and is and is to come. We thank you for Jesus. Come have your way in every life in this room. And Holy Spirit, reveal Jesus to us more more real than we've ever known. And Lord, give us faith to draw him into those situations that seem impossible to become possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just going to recap what Pastor Rob said at the beginning. This Saturday at 10 a.m. is the women's brunch, so make sure that you're here and you bring a friend for that. And then December 14th is Family Connect Christmas dinner, which is the second Wednesday. That's at 6.30. And there's a sign-up sheet out on guest services, $10 for adults, and children 2 to 10 are $5. And then the offering buckets are in the back by the door if this is your house to give. So have a blessed week, everyone.